With us right now on the hotline on this uh, Monday morning is Dana Block. I think I've still got her on the line. Let's try this out. Dana, are you there? I am here. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Dana Block is an actress and a, uh, a, a playwright, and she's written a play about her brother, uh, Mark, and she is going to be performing this uh, one-person play in St. Joseph this weekend on Saturday night. So, Dana, I, I, don't, I hope you can hear me okay, and I can hear you. I think we're good. Um, okay. What, tell, us about, tell us about this play called Monkey Man. Start by telling us uh, what, the, what the title means. Okay, sure. So it's a one-person show. It's called... Uh, this form of performing and playwriting is called has been called performance art. It's been called stand up. It's been called solo work, and uh, I call it solo work. I um, am actually going to be doing this solo show at a large festival, all solo work, off Broadway in November. Um, so, yeah, it's a one-person show where one person plays all the parts. And uh, it's the way I do it is by fully embodying all the different characters in the story, which I guess in this show there's about 12 different characters. Um, and uh, so the play is about my brother, and the reason I'm coming to St. Joseph to do it is because I grew up in St. Joseph, and um, it uh, the whole story takes place in St. Joseph. Went to grade school, Edison grade school there, went to Central High School. My two older sisters did, my younger brother Mark did. Um, my brother, Mark, became schizophrenic when he was about 17 or 18 years old, which is the age where it happens to most people if it's going to happen and um and it was a big mystery it was really a an incredibly strange uh event that we didn't understand we didn't know what it was about we didn't know what was happening to him my parents thought it was drugs um and it uh you know it played out over several years until finally he left saint joseph for good and went out on the road hitchhiking until he finally uh, landed himself in a roadside motel called the Trails End Motel. Uh, when he was becoming mentally ill, like 17, 18 years old, 19 especially, he was writing compulsively, wrote and wrote. There's actually a word for this phenomenon called graphomania. And he, he wrote and wrote and wrote. And he also drew a lot of uh, graphic, a lot of pictures that were actually pretty great and um when he left he left all of this behind and i'm me being an actor and a writer i got hold of this material and constructed a show about it and um my idea in making the show was to he he is still alive he's still uh living and still living in a motel room actually uh but not the same one and but my idea and reason I think for making the show was in a way one of the things was to pay tribute to what a brilliant kid he was and what a funny kid. So I also think why put anything up on the stage unless it's uh extremely entertaining. 
I mean, obviously the subject matter is heartbreaking, but um, I, in writing the show, put in a whole lot of stuff that's very, very funny because I think you've got to, you got to laugh when you cry, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it was fun. He was a funny kid, so it's a kind of a the 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 story is told in sort of a circular way, where uh, it begins with my visit to the Trails End Motel in Niagara Falls, where he had been living for a while, and nobody had seen him for twenty years, and so I went to visit him. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of circular where it starts where I'm standing at the door of the Trails Inn Motel trying to get him to come to the door. And then I circle back around to when we were kids and all these crazy characters and we were kids, funny stuff we did, um, and into his grade school and high school years and just, you know, some, some St. Joe people are in it, though hopefully they won't recognize them. <laughs> I don't think they're even still around, like the principal of the high school at the time. Uh, but I'd say the first half of it is pretty funny. Um, you know, another contributing factor is that both my parents' parents were in the arts. My mother was an artist and a classical pianist, and my dad was a professional actor, and he also had a furniture store. So my brother, as all of us did, grew up in a milieu of... of just, you know, intense creativity of sort of anything goes, you know, putting on plays, cracking jokes, staying up all night, making music. Uh, So when he entered this kind of bizarre land of schizophrenia, it kind of manifests in a very uh, creative, artistic way. Do you think, uh, what, uh, tell us again, though, about uh, the idea of Monkey Man. Uh, That's the title of the, of this performance. Uh, how does that, what does it mean? Well, <clears throat> pardon me. It, the title originally comes from the fact that he had a little stuffed animal that he carried around uh, until he was, I don't know, six, seven years old, and that it was a monkey. It was a stuffed monkey. And he just, you know, held on to it like, you know, it was life itself. But it also came to mean like evolution evolution or devolution, that he was on the uh, precipice, he was on the precipice of becoming a person, a young man, a, you know, a whole person. As a teenager, you're just evolving into that life where you grow up, right? You quote-unquote grow up, but he couldn't, he couldn't, because everything was so messed up, but he knew he was messed up. And so Monkey Man is also like this primitive state, I think, for me, that there's a kind of sensational state, you know, and a disorganized state intellectually, you know. um, It's not the human world. It's more of an animal world. Do you think, Dana, do you think he was uh, aware uh, that uh, the things were messed up, That, as you put it? Sorry, say that again? Uh, uh, we should point out for our listeners that uh, I think you're in a Starbucks, right? Yeah, I am. I'm going to try going out the door and see if this, uh, <laughs> see okay. if this uh, it, improves. Yeah, I think yeah, I heard okay. some children screaming in the background, so that... Uh, yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, sorry, are you, are you, can you talk while I'm you're walking here? Now. Okay. All right, well, great. 
And are you in New York at this at this time? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. I am. All right. I'll tell you, technology is a wonderful thing. It's just kind of amazing. It takes your breath away. Fantastic. So, I know. Uh, so to get back to, to telling us a little bit more about about Mark, um, was he? I, I take it that part of the heartbreak in this is that that he was aware of some of the problems that afflicted him, and he had to struggle with that. But he was still able to find some joy in life. Is, would that be fair? Yeah, I mean that's kind of putting. Uh... I mean, everyone struggles. We all struggle day to day to feel not, you know, whether it's anxiety or am I doing the right thing? Am I getting enough done? Is it important enough what I'm doing, uh, you know, with different things? And it's it's just with him, it was, and still is, magnified. Uh, the magnitude of that overtakes the kind of peacefulness that hopefully normal those of us who are somewhere in the realm of normal, you know, uh, can can maintain. Um, you know, his you say schizophrenia or bipolar. He was never really diagnosed. Uh, knowing what I know about mental illness, I think he was probably bipolar more than schizophrenia because you can have a totally normal conversation with him still but then he'll have episodes where he hear i'm pretty sure he's hearing voices and he's yelling and you know um does he feel joy i don't know if he feels joy i think he does he's he's had a pretty even life for a while he lives in a room and he goes out and walks all day uh, he has relationships with different people. By relationships, I mean very superficial, but he's able to, you know, say hello, how are you, uh, how are you this morning, stuff like that. What, you know, before he left home, we were, I was there with him in the house, but when he, after he left home, I haven't lived with him since then, and so I don't observe him on a daily basis. I do get to talk to him now and then, not too often. Um, and he sounds normal, to tell you the truth, uh, but he lives alone, and he hasn't had any kind of a life. So tell us when about it, why, did you, why did you decide, Dana, to bring this uh, performance? You're going to do a performance in St. Joseph yeah. on Saturday night, 7.30 at the Ruby. Um, yeah. And, and so tell us about why you decided to do this. Why, why come back to St. Joseph? If it's, it's great to have you coming back. But uh, you're, you. you're an actress. You're working in New York City. Um, why come back to St. Joseph for a night? Well, it was the place where it all happened, and it's so very much a part of uh, the memory and of what happened. You know, we're Jewish. Not very many Jewish people in St. Joseph. Uh, that was <laughs> kind of a funny thread in the whole story. Um well, it's interesting too I, that the uh, just uh, just on that just to follow up on that for a moment. Uh, this is you're going to do this performance at the Ruby. The Ruby is uh, the recently acquired um, facility that used to be a Temple Adith Joseph in Saint Joseph, and uh, I think it was the temple where your family worshipped, wasn't it? Yeah, that's crazy. That part of it is really crazy. Uh, when people become uh, schizophrenic or bipolar or something, um, 
all the manifestations of it, you know, different things get kind of blown up. And in my story, I mean, my story is 90%, 95% based on Mark. And, and I took monologues that he had written in his notebooks. I've got material in the play uh, that he wrote because it was brilliant. You know, it's like you hear that guy on the street corner ranting. I don't know in St. Joe if you do, but in bigger cities, you know, unfortunately, a lot of mentally ill, there's no, uh, they live on the street and stuff, and you can hear somebody in a rant that's incredibly uh, in uh, hilarious and uh, brilliant, makes no sense, but it has its own logic. Uh, so uh, coming back to St. Joseph. One of the threads was the religious thread. Uh, it's not super prominent in the show because I think that's kind of a turn off to like focus on that. But but there were pieces of it like at the end of the show, you know, he. I don't want to give away the end of it because I think the end of it is uh, very powerful. But um, you know, it's woven into the fact that we were on the Missouri River, you know, mm -hmm. arrowheads and. Uh, the big muddy, the the big the weeds and the arrowheads and watching the river and uh, I don't know. It's the the specificity of the story is that it was in Saint Joseph. Saint Joseph is a pretty amazing place, actually. Well, we think so, uh, and, know, and we're glad that you think yeah, well, so, and we're glad that you're coming back to give this performance on Saturday night. And as I understand it, the performance is going to be followed by. Uh, a talk back with you after the show. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a thing that theaters do these days. I don't know if they're doing it at the Ruby uh, as a regular part of their um, shows, but um, yeah, I I learn from it. It's you know the show is continuing to evolve. I wrote it quite a while ago, but I've continued to work on it. And I like to hear from the audience. I hear, you know, people see things that I have, I have no idea what they're going to see in it. I mean, on one level, you know, I want it to work theatrically, but on a very important, deeper level, I want to know if people are, what message they're getting, what they see, what's funny, what's painful, what reads to them, what they don't understand. And maybe people have questions to ask me about the show. I just find those things really amazing. We're uh, also, you're also going bit, to, you know, we'll also have an opportunity to attend a workshop, I think the day after on the yes. 25th. Yeah. And then the, on Sunday, I'm teaching a workshop called give me your best five minutes. And that's just, that's an opportunity to bring in an idea, a stand up act or any idea. I find a lot of people have ha had ideas for a long time. Like, Hey, you know, I'd really like to do this show. I just don't know how to write it or I don't know how to get started. The thing about making solo work or anything is you, that's the biggest part is you just got to get started. And the other thing I've found is that different people have different methods that work for them. Like last year, I also did another, a different solo show off Broadway and that was more improvisatory, but it definitely had a script. And my method in that was to, I wrote the script, I got on stage, did the show, taped the show, and then rewrote my script according 
to what worked on stage. Then I'd go back the next night, and I'd do it again, and there'd be some improvisation. I'd take the improvisation, and I'd put it back in the script. So I think people sometimes are good at sitting down and writing. Sometimes they like to talk into their phone. Sometimes they just, you know, want to improvise physically and not verbally. Uh, so this workshop is going to be a three-hour, you know, quick and dirty workshop on creating material. People bring in any kind of idea or object, piece of text, a song, um, and uh, I'm going to give like five different ways to create material, and then at the end of it, uh, we'll perform these pieces for each other. I'll do, I'll do one, too. All right. Well, this sounds like an exciting time to, to get together with you, Dana Block, this weekend. It's Saturday night. At the Ruby at 7.30, followed by the talk back. And then the next day, you're going to conduct this uh, three-hour workshop. And we just uh, we just look forward to seeing you in St. Joseph. And we're glad that you're coming. And I thank you for doing this interview with us this morning. Oh, thank you very much. St. Joe really is a very special place. Thank you.